Hello, welcome to Adapt, episode 11. My name is Ryan Christoffel, and I'm joined by my co-host, Federico Vitici. How are things going today, Federico? I'm doing good, Ryan. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Uh, I know we're going to get into a big shortcuts topic today. There's uh-huh. a lot to cover, and uh, so why don't you take us right into it? All right, we should just jump right in. Um, so we've been doing this shortcut series uh, for the past few episodes, and we've talked about some of the visual changes to the app, some of the some of the new actions, uh, how you can use the the new share sheet, for example. But the big change in shortcuts this year really is the new parameters API and a new way for actions to exchange data with one another and for third-party developers to integrate with shortcuts and make actions that sort of become native features to the shortcuts app. So um, it can be a little tricky to, to wrap your head around parameters and what they are. So I'm going to try my best uh, in an audio format. And of course, as, as always with these episodes, with these topics, it really helps if you have the shortcuts app open and you can sort of visualize what we're talking about. Um, so parameters are essentially the shortcuts API uh, an extensible framework that we've been wishing for uh, really since the beginning of Workflow, uh, a native way for apps to integrate with shortcuts and to provide functionalities that go way beyond what used to be possible with URL schemes. So in the old days of automation on iOS, on iPhone and iPad, if you wanted to speed up a specific task or if you wanted to uh, connect multiple apps together, you would have to use URL schemes and usually uh, the variant known as X callback URL, which was a, a way to assign essentially links uh, to each app. And each, each of these links, each of these URLs would open an app and either pass some data to the app or perform a specific task. And it was a rudimentary but at the time, effective way to get around the limitations of iOS regarding the ability for apps to communicate with each other. So if you wanted to pass, uh, for example, some text from drafts to Tweetbot, there was no native way for those two apps to talk to each other. And with automation through URL schemes, you would be able to pass that text from the first app to the second app. And we used that system for years, and even Apple relied on that system. So um, very famously, Workflow, it launched with app integrations back in the day, back in 2014, uh, that were actually based on URL schemes. Um, and the Workflow team at the time, they, they did a real, <laughs> they had this real clever idea of um, sort of faking um, a native third-party app actions inside workflow by putting an interface around URL schemes. So back in the day in in the in you know with the original version of workflow and even with the first version of shortcuts last year in iOS 12 um, you you would see this quote unquote native actions such as the omnifocus one or the things one or the Ulysses one the, they were pretty actions with native UIs and customizable fields, but they were actually based on URL schemes. They were actually, uh, you know, under the hood, they were still launching a specific app with a, new, with a URL. They were still relying on that system. And at WWDC this year, Apple announced the new parameters API for developers uh, to integrate with and to build real native actions. And in a major sort of a <laughs> turn of events, they actually, I was at a session and I almost couldn't believe when they said this, they called URL schemes inherently insecure, um, which really sort of sums up the Apple's uh, approach uh, to our URL schemes. They were never really meant to perform this kind of automation. They were never really meant to allow people to build these chains of actions uh, because there were some security concerns with URL schemes that I don't want to get into in this episode, but if, um, it was interesting to hear Apple on stage um, publicly calling out the limitations and problems of URL schemes 
And uh, I guess it was fitting because they were introducing this new, the future of automation on iOS, the future of communication between apps, which is parameters and shortcuts. So this is just the preamble, <laughs> Ryan. Yeah. Does does it make sense? Am yeah. I, am I make, okay. Yeah. So I just when it comes to those actions that the workflow team, who later became the shortcuts team, built into the app from the beginning, I have to say that if they hadn't done that, if they hadn't kind of created this UI for what behind the scenes was URL schemes and different actions related to that, then I don't know that the app would have had near the reach that it ended up Mm -hmm. having and even eventually getting Apple's attention, getting acquired. Because for users like me who have no prior experience with automation, with programming, anything like that, if I had to deal with URL schemes, you know, visually kind of deciphering what is this going to do? How am I going to plug this into my workflow or my shortcut? I probably would have never used the app. And it's those very actions, such as for things or for Ulysses, that really made it accessible to me and kind of helped me get my head around it because it it really kind of hid the the complexity of what was going on behind the scenes. And I think that really is a theme that Apple has brought to, you know, brought to bear on the full app this year with parameters. And whereas before Apple kind of had to pick and choose, oh, which apps are we going to build these native actions for? And this year, thanks to parameters, it's no longer up to Apple. Developers can do this themselves, which makes the app way more user-friendly, I think, to, to more people like me. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a great point. In fact, before parameters, all those um, sort of native uh, third-party actions inside shortcuts uh, and workflow, they had to be built by Apple. Uh, If you were a third-party developer, you couldn't just go in and provide your own visual action uh, based on a URL scheme. You would have to wait for Apple to sort of make a a decision to include your app as part of the the visual actions. So all those um, that all those actions that predate uh, iOS 13. I mentioned OmniFocus, Things, uh, and Ulysses, but there's more like Bear, for example. Um, several other productivity apps. Uh, they were all handmade by Apple. Um, whereas now with parameters, uh, develop any developer can can build their own visual action uh, that has so many benefits compared to the old system. So let's get into uh, parameters and what they actually are. Um, at a high level, parameters are customizable fields inside actions that can be filled in by the user and that are resolved at runtime by the shortcut. Uh, essentially, parameters are a way to customize an action, um, to customize its functionality, and that customization can happen, can be resolved, can be handled by the shortcuts app whenever the shortcuts runs. Um, parameters, they can, uh, for this reason, because they are fields inside of an action, uh, usually they look like blue, uh, like empty fields with a blue background uh, where you can type some text or you can, which you can tap on to select another variable. Uh, most parameters look like that. They look like text fields that you can tap into. Um, And by design, parameters can uh, pass dynamic input to an action, um, as well as they can pass uh, results from an action to another. Um, It's really... Parameters are essentially a way for shortcuts and for users to avoid having to put together multiple fixed actions that perform the same functionality with some slight differences between them. And instead, you can just have a single action and customize the parameter inside it. A great example to visualize this is, remember last year with iOS 12 and Siri shortcuts, if you wanted to open a specific note in Apple Notes, you would have to create a standalone Siri shortcut for each of the notes that you wanted to open. Whereas with parameters, you can just select, there's just a single open note action, and the note aspect 
is a parameter and you can tap on that parameter and select the note, the note that you want to open. So you don't have to recreate multiple shortcuts that are basically the same but are just slightly different. You can just use a single action and customize the parameter. Another way to visualize this is to think about the English language. Whereas, uh, where, for example, the verb is the action and the object is the parameter. So, for example, open note, open is the action, note is the parameter. And if you take a look at the, at the new shortcuts app in iOS 13, you can see how this design sort of permeates all of the actions that Apple made, where there's the verb and there's the object, and the object is always the parameter. Um, parameters can take different shapes and forms. As I mentioned, by default, they look like this blue uh, empty text fields, but they can also be on and off switches. They can be sliders. They can be segmented controls. They can be text fields. They can be menus with multiple options. Um, parameters can be anything, essentially. Uh, as far as the shortcuts app is concerned, developers can provide actions that can be customized by the user in the shortcuts editor in a multitude of ways. Um, there's a, you can take a look at... Uh, a great way to get started, I guess, is to take a look at the Apple actions, the, 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 the built-in ones for reminders or Safari or Mail. Mail is a great new send email action that really shows you all the different possibilities uh, opened by parameters. So essentially, if you see an action if, and if it's customizable, uh, it can be th that that's based on parameters. Um, I know that it's it can be tricky to visualize this, and again, I seriously recommend going into the shortcuts app and just taking a look at the at the action library and uh, to see what parameters look like. Um, because as far as the Apple apps are concerned, all of them, all of the app, all of the actions made by Apple have been updated to support parameters. Um, all of this, all of this discussion about what's a parameter, what can it do, uh, how does it work in shortcuts, it requires, and this is, the, the, I guess, the, the most important topic, it requires a major rethinking of how shortcuts are put together and how you create shortcuts. So, and I'm trying, and I'm going to try my best here not to, not to dig too deep into programming-related uh, concepts. Um, it used to be in the days of workflow, and to a large extent, even last year with iOS 12, that to put together a shortcut, you would have to think about the vertical flow of actions. You always needed to make sure that you were passing the right input and you had to deal with the output. It was very much a model inspired by Automator on the Mac, uh, where you needed to think deeply about the vertical structure of one action followed by another and how to deal with variables and how to make sure that you were always passing the right object onto the next step. Um, and it was, uh, you know, it, it's the same model that you may have seen on the Mac with Automator or perhaps with utilities like uh, Keyboard Maestro or Hazel. It was very much based on that idea of you have a vertical series of steps and you always need to make sure that one after the other you're passing the right content from one action to the other. With parameters, I'm not going to say that you, that you have to forget about all of that, but most of that is now obsolete. And there's a couple of reasons for that. First of all, there's no more get variable action in iOS 13. Um, and that's because every action in the new shortcuts app now supports parameters. So if every action has a parameter where you can say, for example, uh, resize photo. And it used to be with resize photo that you needed to do things like get variable, resize photo, right? You needed to get the photo and then resize it. But now in iOS 13, with the resize photo action, the photo, I, the photo part of that action is, the, is a parameter. And you can just tap on that parameter and pick a photo from another action or from another variable. You no longer need to do the get and then perform the action. 
you can just tap on the parameter and select the photo that you want to resize. And so because of, because of this new way of putting together actions and shortcuts, the app becomes... The app is now less about managing this vertical succession of steps and more about thinking about each individual step, each individual action, and what it can do. And this is all made possible by parameters. Because in the old days, you had to, again, uh, build out this vertical flow. And that's still possible. You, you still, I mean, shortcuts are still executed from top to bottom. But there's less management of your, of your variables, of your actions. And it's a much, much easier system where actions are presented in natural language and where parameters, they allow you to think about the purpose of each action instead of thinking of what comes before the action. Does it make sense the way that I'm describing it? Yeah, it does. Um, would you say that, because I know even back in the workflow days, at one point the workflow team put uh, magic variables into the yes. app where you could kind of dynamically, when you're configuring an action, you could pull variables from different actions that had preceded it. It didn't have yep. to be the exact action that was right beforehand. Um, so would you say that like with parameters, it's kind of taking that concept a bit further? Um, and whereas magic variables, variables were kind of the start of making things more dynamic and flexible, um, with parameters, it's, it's really you know, making that app-wide so that more than ever before, you don't need to worry about the vertical order, at least not very much, but, but it's still kind of the same concept as magic variables. Yeah, it's very much an evolution of that. It's the idea of you don't need to think about getting and setting variables. Uh, you don't need to necessarily make sure that the variable you need is always before the action that you want to use. Um, magic variables were actually launched as a workflow feature. So the team was uh, thinking about that a long time ago, actually, uh, three years ago. It was still something that they were working on. And parameters are an evolution of that. Uh, the idea of let's, let, let, let's allow people to always pick the variables that they need and to forget about getting and setting variables. Uh, and parameters take that a step further insofar as you don't, the, the get variable action is gone and you can still set variables by name. You can still manually create a variable. But the idea now is each action as a field, and that, that field can look in, you know, can, can have many different uh, aspects, many different uh, options. But the idea is each action is now a customizable thing where you don't need to think about getting the variable and making sure that vertically your shortcut is always passing the right input between steps. It's a, it's a much more flexible uh, way of putting together your actions. And the result, like you may be asking, like why did Apple need to change a perfectly functional system? And that's a great question. And the reason is, first of all, everything is much more flexible than before because each action can be customized exactly the way you want it. The second reason is because this system allows developers to integrate with shortcuts and to provide actions that can be customized and can, be, can run natively inside shortcuts, just like any other Apple action. And the third reason is you're going you're gonna to be able to put together shortcuts that perform the same functionality as before but with fewer actions. Uh, so your shortcuts will be more compact uh, and you will notice the, you will have noticeable code savings. I know for, uh, for personal experience that um, some of my shortcuts that used to have something like 50 actions, I was able to cut them down to 30 uh, with iOS 13 because of the removal of the get variable and because with parameters, everything becomes just more compact and more readable. And the readability of a shortcut to me is important, especially when I'm putting together some, you know, a, a series of actions that span 
50, 60, 70 actions, it, it really is important for me to be able to tell at a glance what kind of shortcut I'm working on. But also, the readability is made possible by the fact that the shortcuts editor is now heavily influenced by natural language. As I mentioned before, every action is spelled out uh, as a sentence. There's a, there's a verb, there's an object, and the actual text is displayed in bold in the shortcut. And in my review, I offered some comparisons between the shortcuts editor in iOS 12 and the shortcuts editor in iOS 13, and you really can tell the difference between the old model that was based on Automator and the new one, which is influenced by natural language and which is based on parameters. Um, it took me a while, honestly, to get used to this new system, uh, but now, uh, I, and I still fall into the, sort of into the trap of putting together shortcuts the, the old way, like trying to get a variable and passing the variable to another action. But then as soon as I realize what I'm doing, I'm like, oh, no, I don't need to do this anymore. I can just, uh, instead of two actions, I can just use one uh, because it's got a parameter. So I'm still, my, uh, I'm still getting used to that, to the new system. But I think it's overall a much, much better and more functional and more flexible um, approach to automation that, than iOS 12 and, and workflow. Um, something that I want to mention is, thanks to parameters, and I'm going to get into some examples now, um, Thanks to parameters, you always can. You also can get rid of the sort of the workarounds and and uh, and hacks that you may have seen last year to enable communication between different actions and different apps using the system clipboard. Uh, last year, we saw several examples of apps like PCalc, for example, or Text Case uh, using the using the the system clipboard. Uh, as a sort of as a bridge uh, between apps, um, because there was no native API, no native communication framework for apps to talk to each other. That's uh, entirely uh, unnecessary now, uh, thanks to parameters, uh, because apps can integrate with shortcuts and they can communicate with each other directly inside the app with a native and secure system. Um, I wanted to offer some some examples, Ryan, that may help our listeners sort of understand and visualize uh, what parameters can enable. And uh, I'm just picking and choosing from my, from my shortcuts uh, library here. Uh, I think one, one great example uh, is the, uh, the shortcuts that PCalc is now uh, offering in iOS 13. Um, it, PCalc was at the forefront of um, shortcuts integration last year with, with Siri shortcuts and uh, the clipboard workarounds that I mentioned. But in iOS 13, uh, developer James Thompson has gone all in and embraced parameters and shortcuts. And PCalc now, offer, now offers dozens of different actions. But the one that I think can really help understand parameters is the convert value action. So the convert value action, which you can find in the, in, you can find in the shortcuts app, you can just tap, uh, open the, the action library, select apps, tap on pcalc if you have pcalc installed, and drag in the convert value action. And as soon as you drag in the action, uh, you will see how it is based on a sentence. It says convert value from unit to unit in category. Uh, so it's largely constructed around a plain English <laughs> sentence. Um, but each of these fields, the blue ones, those are parameters. And if you tap on show more, you will see even more parameters for opening the app or updating your currency rates. Uh, and those on and off toggles, as I mentioned before, those are also parameters. They just look different from the parameters above. Um, the main parameters, let's call them that way, um, embedded within the main sentence of the action, you can tap on those and you will see, for example, if you select the unit parameter, you will be presented with a list of units. If you tap on the category parameter, you will be presented with a list of categories that Peacock can perform co uh, conversions for, such as currency or energy or length, for example. And the category that you select changes the units that you see in the unit parameter. So if you select length, for example, when you tap on the unit parameter, you will see units of length, 
such as centimeters, inches, kilometers, meters, and all that stuff. Um, this is the parameters API. It allows developers to expose functionality inside the shortcuts app and to make that functionality dynamic. Dynamic means that if you don't want to choose while you're building the shortcut, you can leave the ask when run, I think it's now called ask each time uh, value inside a parameter. And instead of performing the action with a fixed parameter, you will be, you will be able to choose which category, for example, to use whenever the shortcut runs. And there's so many different ways that you can go about this. One of my examples is a shortcut called inches to centimeters, because I never can really understand what uh, inches mean. Uh, we don't use inches, we use the metric system. Uh, so I put together the shortcut, which consists of three actions. And here's what it does. It's got the first action is ask for input. This is a standard action from the shortcuts library. It asks me for a number. That's the number, the, the value of the inches that I want to convert. Then it uses the convert value action offered by pcalc. In the first parameter, I put in the magic variable for the ask for input result. Um, all I needed to do was tap on the parameter field and pick the magic variable. And here's a, here's a tip. You can always long press on parameters to open the magic variable picker. And that's a, that's a way for you to make sure that uh, you, can, you can always uh, put in standard variables like the system clipboard or ask each time, as well as the um, open the magic variable picker and select one of the variables from any uh, previous actions. Um, so I put in the number for the ask for input action. And then I, in the other parameters, first I selected the category length. And then in the other two parameters, I put in from, I selected inches, and two, I selected centimeters. All of these, once again, are parameters. You can pick from a list, you can mi mix and match magic variables with uh, data coming from pcalc, you can do whatever you want. And then in the action, in the bottom section of this action, so I tapped on show more, and I... Uh, deselected uh, open app, update currency rates, and show one run. So all of those are turned off. And finally, at the very end of the shortcut, there's a final show result action that has a custom message that says, that's result centimeters. And result is the dynamic result passed by the pcalc action. So there's uh, two main things that I will like, that I would like to point out here. First of all, all of this runs natively inside shortcuts. There's pcalc code running within the shortcuts app because of this new system, because of this new uh, parameter-based API that allows apps to offer their own functionalities, their own features to the shortcuts app. And second, I didn't, I didn't have to use the clipboard to pass data between actions at all. Uh, the ask for input action passed its number directly to pcalc using shortcuts. And pcalc, after performing the conversion within the shortcuts app in a fraction of a second, passed back its result as a, it looks like a magic variable, um, to the show result action at the end. So it all happened natively, securely, because I didn't need to open a URL scheme or leave the shortcuts app. And dynamically, because I'm able to put in one, whatever number I choose, or I can change the units if I want to, it all happened inside the shortcuts app. This is a great summary of what parameters can do. They take different shapes and forms, they can accept inputs from any other action, they can pass back result, they run, they run natively inside the shortcuts app, and everything happens securely, because it's a secure system where you need to authorize access to your apps, you need to authorize access to your actions. It's, it's a lot to, uh, if you haven't played the shortcuts app at all, it's a, it's a lot to take in all at once in terms of like so many new options that are now possible. And uh, I, I would seriously recommend um, going in and, and taking a look at the 
different parameters that developers can support. I'm going to share, before we move on to our challenge this week, I'm going to share a quick, uh, sort of a quick rundown on some of the really excellent uh, apps that have adopted parameters in iOS 13 working copy. Uh, It's got actions that can push and pull contents to and from your repositories on GitHub, uh, Secure Shellfish, also made by Anders Borum, um, drafts as some really excellent uh, actions for, uh, for example, saving a note to a specific works uh, with a specific tag in your drafts library, as well as retrieving all of the notes from a specific workspace. All of those actions are based on parameters. Uh, text case, uh, excellent utility by Chris Hanna. Uh, I've been using this one to capitalize the headlines for articles that we publish on Mac Stories, also based on parameters. You can pass some text to the text case action and you can change the format, such as uppercase or title case or sentence case, directly from shortcuts by choosing from a list of, uh, of, uh, of uh, title formats. Um, what a reminder, as a native actions to log your... Uh, glasses of water or juice uh, that you drink every day. Quickness, uh, we mentioned uh, a few days ago on Mac Stories. It is a, this is genius. It is a utility to create new contacts in your address book uh, with shortcuts. Shortcuts doesn't have any actions to create new contacts for some reason. I don't know why Apple hasn't created those. So this developer came in and offered a utility that natively creates contacts in your default contacts account uh, using shortcuts actions. And these actions are heavily based on parameters. There's parameters for the contact name and last name, uh, their street address, their email address, their phone number. It's it's amazing. And uh, I don't know, I, I got basically hundreds of apps here. I will conclude with uh, Lookup, which is our, um, both Ryan and I, we use this app. It's an excellent dictionary app. And not only can you retrieve the word of the day, that sort of used to be possible before, but you can now do things like saving a specific word to a specific collection. And both the word and the collection are, of course, parameters. And you can also do things like um, retrieving a specific aspect of a word in addition to its meaning, like the Wikipedia definition or synonyms and stuff like that. Um, Parameters are... First of all, best experienced visually. So once again, play around with the Shortcuts app. Go check out the parameters section of my iOS 13 review. Um, And second, they enable you to do a lot more that that used to be possible in uh, before in iOS 12 and in the days of workflow. And if you haven't played around with automation in a few years on iOS, I seriously recommend checking out the shortcuts app again in iOS 13 because thanks to parameters, it's become a lot more flexible and it can do things like that you maybe wished you were able to do years ago. Those are now possible. Yeah, there's so much more that you can do. And as we've already highlighted, it's so much easier to understand thanks to natural language and the way that actions are configured and the ability to, to not be so constrained to, you know, pulling different variables into the next action it's, I mean, as someone who doesn't have a programming background at all, I know that you like to downplay your programming skills, um, but, you know, <laughs> you've, you've written in Python, you've written in other programming languages, and so I am a true newbie at all of this, and the new Shortcuts app makes everything way more accessible. So I, I, I definitely echo that recommendation to, to give Shortcuts a try again if you haven't in a while. All right, Ryan, I think you have uh, I think you have a challenge to explain to me. Um, how do I you think you it? have to explain to me why you challenged me to use Microsoft Word. <laughs> oh, I, oh I, see where, I, I see where this is going. So uh, <laughs> last episode, I challenged you. And honestly, I don't think this was as terrible as you may be suggesting right now. Um, I challenged you to use Microsoft Word so that's the popular word processor by Microsoft, to write an article for Mac Stories, no matter how 
long or short you wanted the article to be, just use Microsoft Word and convert the rich text that's generated by Microsoft Word to markdown content that is suitable for publishing on Mac stories. So how did it go? Well, it was okay. It was... Okay, see? I, I didn't see? like it. Uh, I, mm. have, I have some complaints, but I'm actually going to try to keep this relatively brief because I feel like the longer I talk, the more likely it is that I'm going to rant. And I don't want to do that. Nobody wants to hear that. So the article that I wrote uh, is going up later today on Mac Stories. It is a new article in a, a column, a series that we're doing called Arcade Highlights, where we oh. highlight different games that are available on Apple Arcade. Um, I know that you and John and I have been playing a lot of games on Apple Arcade, but we haven't written that much about them yet. So uh, I have one coming out later today that our listeners will be able to read. And I wrote it in Microsoft Word. So what This I, looks totally fine. I mean, I'm looking at it right now. I cannot tell the difference. Good well, job. Well, okay. So... Uh, let mm. me get into what I did <laughs> and what I wasn't able to do. So okay. I wrote the whole thing in Microsoft Word. And in a minute, I want to get into kind of what I found to be the good, the bad, and the kind of mixed of my experience in Word itself. But for the challenge of converting rich text to Markdown, I used a shortcut. Um, shortcuts makes this pretty easy. There's an action that makes Markdown out of rich text. And so what I did is I used that action um, in the parameter. I had it grab the contents of the clipboard. And so after I'd written everything in Word, I just copied everything to the clipboard. And then with my shortcut, it pulled from the clipboard, took that rich text, it converted it to Markdown, and then it copied it back to the clipboard. So it's just a couple actions uh, in the shortcuts app. I threw in a third action, which is quick look to get a preview of kind of what everything looked like once it was in Markdown. And uh, from there, I actually dumped that markdown into Ulysses because I wanted to publish it from Ulysses. That's, I usually use the built-in publishing feature of Ulysses rather than having to do much inside of WordPress itself, which is this, mm. you know, uh, what we use on Mac Stories. But, um, so hopefully that wasn't cheating. But I had some issues with the whole conversion. Uh, there were some things that that converted just fine. And actually one of the things that was surprising to me that I wasn't expecting to work is that I, inside of Word, I embedded links right into the text using Microsoft Word's feature to do this. And I was expecting that shortcuts might have a hard time converting that to markdown links, but it actually did it perfectly. No problems whatsoever. So that was a pleasant surprise. Um, and... Things like bold or italicized text were no problem. Those converted to Markdown just fine. Where I ran into problems were with photos, mm. with uh, mm. block quotes, because I have a block quote in this article, and then headings. And so I, I've been thinking about it even more since I kind of did this whole challenge about maybe there are some ways, like with photos specifically, I... Use a shortcut that you created to upload images to our CDN, which then spits out a link that I put inside the body of the article. It's a markdown link. And I, I was thinking maybe there is a way that if I, you know, with my photos embedded inside of Word, that somehow I could get the shortcuts app to recognize what those were and then kick off the shortcut because you can run a shortcut from within a shortcut. And so I, I haven't tried that. I don't think that would work, um, but I've kind of been thinking about that even some now after the fact. So maybe that would have been possible. I kind of doubt it. But with things like block quotes, there's not, at least to the best of my knowledge, and I, I played around with Word quite a bit, there's not a way to designate this This is a block quote, um, and thus there's no real way to tell shortcuts, oh, take this rich text block quote and convert it to a markdown block quote. You know, in markdown, all you have to do mm -hmm. is put one little symbol and, and that tells it, you know, everything that it's a block quote. But I wasn't able to do that inside of Word. And then for headings, I used a heading for the title text. Uh, fortunately, in this article, I didn't have any other headings throughout the body of the article. It was just the title 
that was a heading. Mm. And so I used the heading style inside of Word, but it wasn't recognized as being a markdown heading when Shortcuts converted it. So all of that I had to do manually. Uh, and then there were some other issues with the conversion where I had used bullets inside of Word, uh, the native bullets feature. And when it converted to Markdown, it actually made double bullets, which was kind of oh, strange. No. I'm not sure why oh, it did no. that. And then... Some horrible things going on. Yeah. And, and for some reason, between every paragraph where I would have a paragraph break, so there's you know one blank line in between paragraphs, when it converted to Markdown, and I... I don't know if this is shortcuts fault or words fault, but it made it triple line breaks. So I had three full lines of spacing in between paragraphs once it was converted to Markdown. I have no idea why it did that. It, it wasn't great. Um, it wasn't a big pain because honestly, I think that the bigger pain of the challenge was not so much converting the rich text to Markdown. It was just using Word. Um, but But using shortcuts made it pretty easy to do the conversion, although again, with the limitations that I mentioned. For Word itself, however, like I said, there is some good. There were uh, two, in particular, two pleasant surprises that were just uh, overall positives that I really liked. One is that there is an option when the um, spelling and grammar check detects that there's a word it doesn't recognize then Word actually offers you the option of adding that word to the app's built-in dictionary. And so if you tap on a word that's marked as uh, a misspelling, then it gives you this option that says plus learn. And so you tap on that and Word will learn the word so that it's in its dictionary so that it will no longer mark that as an incorrect word. So that was really nice. That, that's a great feature that I'd love to have in more text editors. Um, the other positive is that I used to use Microsoft Word more regularly uh, a couple of years ago. I had to do it, unfortunately, for work. And I always had issues with authorizing my Office 365 account. Um, I had a business Office 365 account. And for some reason, very regularly, it would kind of forget that it had authorized with that account. And so I'd have to re-sign in and re-authenticate. And it was just a pain because I would open a document and it would say, oh, you can't edit this document because you don't have an Office 365 account. Mm. I'm like, yes, I, yes, I do. You... So anyways, that was kind of a pain. But in the last year or so, since Microsoft launched Office 365 on the Mac, and maybe from before that, I can't remember, but there is now the option to subscribe to Office 365 through an in-app purchase, through a subscription that's billed through Apple. And again, I, I, I haven't used the app enough to know long-term if this is going to work a lot better than my experience in the past, but I didn't have any issues in the time that I did use Word with the app forgetting that it was authorized and making me re-authenticate. That wasn't a problem at all. I'm hopeful that because it's all done through Apple and they're and a native in-app purchase system, that that won't be a problem going forward. Um, but that was a nice surprise, just the ability to subscribe directly through Apple. It's really painless, really easy to do. And then, of course, that subscription works on the Mac as well, which is nice. Uh, so that's the good. Uh, a few bad things. There is no share option inside the copy-paste menu. So if you select a word, you get the little copy-paste menu that has a variety of options. Um, and most of the time in a text editor, you will see a share option in that menu or, or even in other apps like in Safari. If you highlight some text, there's a share option inside the copy paste menu. That's not in Word. And the reason that's an issue for me is that whenever I am uh, linking to a particular app, I will highlight the text for that word, uh, whatever the app's name is. And then I'll use the share option to run a shortcut that retrieves a link to the app. And so I wasn't able to do that. I had to use the shortcut outside of Word itself, go to the actual shortcuts app and run the shortcut from there. So it was a little bit of a pain. I'm not sure why there's no share option in Word. Um, there is no keyboard shortcut for adding links. So Word does have its own feature for embedding links in text, 
but there's not a keyboard shortcut that does that, which is unfortunate. Uh, I had another issue with the cursor, and this is kind of a common issue that I encounter whenever an app kind of implements their own cursor, like in Google Docs, for example. Uh, Google has their own cursor, and it kind of acts funky sometimes. Uh, The same is true in Microsoft Word. And so I assume this is by design, but maybe it's a bug. But if you don't type for, you know, even just a few seconds, then the cursor disappears. Uh, It stops flashing, and it's just gone. And you can't see it at all until you start typing again. And maybe for some people that's not a problem. But for me, you know, as I'm writing, I sit there and I'm thinking about what I'm going to say next. And when the cursor is gone, then by the time I'm ready to type again, I have to think, oh no, where's the cursor? And usually what I would do, at least at first, was I would tap on the screen to kind of put the cursor, make the cursor visible again, and then move it back to where it's supposed to be. After a while, I realized, oh, it's not that the, you know, the cursor's still where it's supposed to be, it's just invisible for some reason. Um, but that was, that was really strange. Um, and then I had some issues with the cursor lagging behind what I would type. It, it just wasn't great. Now, there's a few things in Word that were kind of a mixed bag where there's some positive to it, but also some negative. Uh, One instance of this is something that the app calls Mobile View. And Mobile View is an option that is kind of new. I, I think it was just added in the last year or so where the app will kind of automatically adjust your view based on the, I guess, the screen um, allotment that you give it. So for example, if it's in full screen, if it's in a a split view 50-50, if it's in slide over, and you've got these different sizes dedicated to the app, the app will, will automatically readjust so that you can still kind of see your text at a decent size. Um, the, the layout of the document adjusts in line with whatever size it's in. So this works great on the iPhone as well. Um, the other option besides mobile view is print layout, which is kind of the standard way that Microsoft Word has always worked. And it's actually the default even in Word on iPad, where it assumes that you're working on what's going to become a printed page. And so if you you know, have to resize things at all, then the document layout gets messed up. And if you, let's say, are working in Word and slide over, you have to zoom in, pinch to zoom in, to see your text, to make it really large enough that you can see it. And then you kind of have to pan around within the space of that digital page, rather than having the app automatically adjust for you. And so mobile view is a really nice feature. Um, I really appreciate that option. The one drawback is that it doesn't stay on very well. There were Mm. a number of times where I went back to the app after not using it for half a day or a day, and mobile view would be deactivated for some reason. And I'd have to reactivate it manually, which is just a pain. I'm not sure why it works that way. Um, Print layout is very much the default, but I wish that you could keep mobile view on all the time because it actually made for a pretty decent writing experience. It, it, it made things more pleasant than I expected. A um, couple other things. One is that Word offers something called Smart Lookup, which, again, this is from the copy-paste menu. If you select a word, then the little menu pops up. You can select Smart Lookup, and it'll give you things like definitions for the word. It'll also use Bing to kind of bring in different search results. Um, and it's a nice feature. I wish that the regular system lookup option was there too. I mean, I kind of understand why Microsoft didn't include that because, you know, from their standpoint, smart lookup is a better option than Apple's lookup. But uh, I'm used to using Apple's all the time in my, uh, in the other text editors that I use. So, you know, it would have been nice to have that. Um, Dark mode is available. Uh, Mm -hmm. Microsoft Office just recently added support for dark mode. But unfortunately, in Word, it doesn't apply to the actual document view. So if you turn on dark mode... Why? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. 
you turn on dark mode, then the, the top of the screen with the menu and everything, uh, the toolbar, that will all be dark, but the body of the document is still white. And maybe there's a setting somewhere to change that. I couldn't find one, but that was a little confusing to me. I, I can't give them too hard a time, though, because Apple did the exact same thing in Pages. Uh, Pages recently added dark mode support, and it's the same thing where the body of the document is still white. I wish there was an option to change that because I prefer when I'm in dark mode to actually have the screen be dark. But that said, uh, lastly, I will say that Microsoft, with Word and with some of its other apps, seems to be better at adapting, or I'm sorry, adopting system features that Apple adds support in iOS and iPadOS for. Um, they seem to be better at adopting those features than Google is. Uh, dark mode is a good example of that. There's still no dark mode option in you know, Google Docs, Google Sheets. Um, Gmail, the Gmail app doesn't have split view support. Somehow, I, I don't know. I don't know what Google's doing. There's no split view there. Um, but the Microsoft apps, including Word, offer split view. They offer dark mode. There's no multi-window yet, but Microsoft has a pretty good reputation at adopting system features. So I'm guessing that split view is coming or multi-windows coming. Uh, if, I, if I remember right, it was actually demoed at WWDC. Um, and so I wouldn't be surprised if we see that coming soon where you can put multiple Word documents on screen at once. It's not here yet, but I'm guessing it'll be here soon. But overall, my Microsoft Word experience was okay. Uh, it, it wasn't as bad as I expected. Um, there were some pleasant surprises. Again, most of them kind of came with some drawbacks as well. But if you need to use Word for some reason, if you need to you know, produce DocX documents, then Word on the iPad seems pretty good, honestly, uh, especially with the mobile view. I love having that option because on the iPad, I'm constantly you know, resizing different apps to fit whatever kind of workspace I need at the time. And so the fact that Word will now dynamically adjust itself uh, is really great. Uh, that's, that's one of my favorite new features since the last time that I used Word much. So it was fine. I don't want to do it again. I'm not planning to do mm. it again, but, but it was okay. But you learned a lot. So that's, you know, I, I've been listening to you. It's, it's been a few years since I actually tested Word myself. Um, so you, maybe, you didn't, you, maybe you didn't like it, but I sure love the explanation of it. So thank you. I I feel kind of bad. <laughs> I made you do research and you hated it. <laughs> well, like you said last episode, you were still kind of fuming over the clips challenge. So I mean, you made I, me use clips, so uh, that I yeah. think all is fair. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. All right, Ryan. Why don't we do uh, before we wrap up the show? Why don't we do a couple uh, hashtag Ask Adapt questions? Yeah, let's do that. So, as a reminder. Listeners can write in with the hashtag AskAdapt on Twitter, and we'll see those tweets, and we may answer those questions in a future episode. Our first question for today comes from listener Nick. He asks, do you plan to use any shortcuts to manage the AskAdapt catalog of questions? Mm, that's a good question. I would love to. I've been thinking about it um, previously for other shows like uh, Connected and uh, App Stories, and I, and I remember Mike uh, does the same for Upgrade and Cortex. We've been using automations, uh, using Zapier or IFTTT to sort of uh, automatically uh, extract uh, tweets uh, with, the, with the specific hashtag from Twitter and save them into, um, into a Google Doc or a spreadsheet or something like that. I don't want to do that for Adapt, and ideally I would like to keep using notes because Ryan and I, we share a note uh, where we outline the show, where we save our show notes. I would love to do this. My main problem is that the notes actions for shortcuts are still limited to plain text. They were not updated with iOS 13 to support uh, rich text or attachments. And ideally, I would love to be able to save uh, a tweet from the Twitter app as a rich link in notes using shortcuts but that's not possible yet. So as soon as Apple updates the notes actions to use rich text and to be able to save rich links instead of tappable URLs, which are fine, but I don't really like them, I'm gonna come up with a system for Ryan and I to 
save these questions with a shortcut. Yes, for sure. Here is another question related to notes, actually. Uh, it comes from Carlos. He says, is there a way to save the article of a web page with formatting and images to Apple Notes? Uh, mm. He says the Safari Reader article to mail does that for email, but doesn't do it for notes. And he's tried some online article extractors, but copying and pasting doesn't give the best final product. Yeah, yeah, that's the problem that I just mentioned. Uh, the note sections are still limited to plain text. Uh, if you want to automate saving text to notes using shortcuts, you're always going to end up with plain text because the notes actions do not support rich text or formatted text or attachments at all. You can try this if you pass an image, for example, to one of the notes actions. You're not going to append the image to the note. You're going to append the file name, like img23.jpg, <laughs> something like that. Uh, so you're limited to plain text. Some actions, he mentioned the mail one, are they do support rich text, which is, uh, you know, the, there's always been this, this inconsistency in the, in the way that shortcuts deals with um, .rtf files or just rich text in general for different Apple actions. My hope is that with parameters, um, soon enough, the shortcuts team and the different teams at Apple will be able to bring in some consistency for passing rich text from one app to the other. But for now, the notes, action, the, the notes actions are still unfortunately limited to plain text. All right, listener Sylvan asks, with the options to import shortcuts as files removed in iOS 13, is there a way to privately backup shortcuts? Yeah, unfortunately, the answer is no. Um, you can still export .shortcut files, but those um, files cannot be directly imported anymore. This is part of the new security restrictions that Apple imposed on shortcuts. Uh, there's a backstory here that maybe I uh, will be able to share someday, but basically um, some people were using this technique to do some things that Apple didn't like, um, to import shortcuts as, shortcuts as files. Um, so if you want to re-import a shortcut, uh, the, your only way, at least for now, is to share an iCloud link uh, and to use the iCloud link. And, and I know that Sylvan doesn't want to even even if the the iCloud URL is um, basically security by obscurity, in that uh, if you want to back up a private shortcut that contains personal information via iCloud, it's very hard and basically impossible for anyone to guess your URL. But it's it still technically is a public URL, even if it's a super long alphanumeric string. Maybe it is technically possible that sometime in the future somebody will be able to guess that incredibly long and random string. So technically, it is not private, um, but it's your only way for now. So you can export those files, but I'm not sure what you can do with them. I mean, maybe you can open them with an XML editor and look at the XML data inside them. But as far as re-adding them to the shortcuts app goes, you can, you can, your only solution is to use iCloud. And uh, I'm not I'm not aware of any solutions to force uh, the import process for a dot shortcut file for now. Um, I haven't tested it myself in in a, in months since I discovered that the feature was gone. So honestly, it's basically impossible for anyone to guess the the iCloud.com link. So you should you should just go for it. And final question, listener Francois asks, shouldn't you be able to add apps to split view from Spotlight in iPadOS 13? I believe this was possible before, but it's not working for me right now. Yes, that definitely should be possible. And it is still possible in iPadOS 13, but there has been a major regression to pulling apps out of search into split view that... I could definitely see would confuse people and make them think that it's not possible anymore because it used to be that once you started dragging an app out of search, then the search screen would be dismissed. It would close automatically so that you could then easily drop that app into split view or into a slide over window. That no longer happens in iPadOS 13, um, even mm -hmm. up to 
now I'm running the 13.2 beta. Uh, it hasn't changed to go back to the good behavior. Really? Because it, it's been fixed for me in 13.2 beta too, I was about to say. Oh, interesting. So yeah, I, I just checked I just checked last night because I like I was looking at this question and I was like, I wonder if the second beta fixed it. And sure enough, I'm trying it right now and it does work. So in 13.2 beta 2, I'm able to when when I start dragging out of search, search is dismissed and I can drop the icon uh, as a split view or slide over. That is very good news because this this is a bug that for the longest time I was expecting to get fixed. And then release after release came without it being fixed. And so what I've been doing is I, I pick up the app with one finger and then tap cancel with the other finger. Yeah, or yeah. I've recently started swiping up from the bottom where the home indicator is. That also will dismiss yeah. search. Um, but no, that's great news. I, yeah. <laughs> I'm i not running beta 2 because Apple pulled it. Oh, Oh yeah. <laughs> so I, I was trying yeah. to install it and it um I won't use the term bricked because I know that can be controversial. <laughs> but it uh it kept my iPad from functioning until I restored from uh mm-hmm. not iTunes, but whatever the restore method is now in Catalina. So anyways, that's that's great news. The Invader two and then going forward I assume yeah. um once 13.2 is officially released. You will yeah. be able to do that again. I also have a tip to share. Uh, so if, you, if you're not running the beta or if, like Ryan, you're stuck on 13.2 beta 1, um, if you have an external keyboard that features uh, an ESC key, you can also tap, tap that key, click that to dismiss search. So if you open search with command space and then tap ESC, you will dismiss Spotlight. So what you can do is, so for example, if you're like me and you have an external keyboard and, an, and, a, and a mouse and you're using your iPad Pro like that, you can click and hold with the mouse to start dragging the icon and then click on Ask to dismiss the search screen. I discovered this before the 13.2 beta because Ryan, and maybe we should talk about this eventually, I've been using my iPad Pro with a new stand with the new Logitech MX Keys keyboard and the Logitech MX uh, 3 mouse. So, all new setup. Oh, very interesting. Yeah, I thought you were still on the smart keyboard folio. So, that's. I yeah. do, I do, I do. So, when I'm. So, I, I was suffering from some neck strain problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, by looking down at the at the iPad with the smart keyboard all the time, so I kind of wanted to switch it up a little. So right, what I'm doing right now is I work for a few hours with the stand and the keyboard and the mouse, and then a few hours with the smart keyboard folio, which I still absolutely love. So I'm running both at the same time just to make sure that I switch up uh, my my setup a little more frequently. Okay, yeah, that definitely sounds like something that be interesting diving into later. Um, but for today, I think we will wrap up there and get on to the last thing we need to do, which is give you a challenge for this next episode. Oh, God. What are you, what, what you going to come up with this time? I, you know, Sylvia has not been in touch, but I am taking into account her concern over okay. <laughs> your well-being. Um, and maybe, maybe just so that you know, I don't get an upset text from her at some point. I will give you a challenge that's not that difficult, but I think I think will still require you to be creative and potentially be of use to a lot of listeners uh, and honestly be of use to me, depending on how it turns out. So that's a little cryptic, but what I want okay. you to do is um, we spoke, I think last episode, maybe before that, about how Shortcuts does not offer the ability to launch specific files or folders in the Files app via a shortcut. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I wish that it did because that would be a perfect candidate for a home screen shortcut. It would kind of recreate a Mac's desktop-like environment on the iPad's home screen. You can't do that with Shortcuts. But what I want you to do is I want you to kind of put yourself in the mindset of maybe someone who has been used to using a Mac or a PC and is trying to use an iPad as their main computer, and they really miss having files or folders on their desktop. And so I want you to kind of get creative and 
as much as you can recreate a desktop like environment on the <laughs> iPad's home screen. <laughs> so we know that you can't do it with shortcuts, at least not with shortcuts that directly launch into files or folders. Maybe there's some other workarounds. Maybe there's some other apps that you could use to do that. Maybe you decide that you know the best way to do it is through a widget because you can now in iPad OS, you know, open kind of the the quick actions and the widgets from the home screen. Um, whatever you end up doing, I just want you to think creatively about how can I make the iPad home screen more accessible to people who are used to using a desktop on a Mac or a PC. Very interesting. I like this. So you you have a you have a good, fun, motivating challenge for once. Not too <laughs> cruel, not too terrible. I love this. This will be fun. I have some ideas already. Okay, good. Yeah, and I, again, like I said, kind of selfishly, I really want something like this for myself. So I'm really curious to see what you come up with. Okay, okay, we'll try. All right. Well, that does it for today's episode. This has been episode 11 of Adapt. Uh, if you want to find show notes for this episode, you can go to relay.fm slash adapt slash 11. And if you want to follow us online, Federico's on Instagram and Twitter is at Vitici. That's V-I-T-I-C-C-I. You can find me on Twitter as at IRyan, T-L-D-R. That's I-R-Y-A-N, T-L-D-R. And we are both writing at maxstories.net. Until next time, Federico, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Bye.